Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the Let the Bird Fly podcast studio um, that uh, at some point I was thinking yesterday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix it up, Michael. I realize I've, I've let it get a little, uh, it looks unlived in and a little messy, partly because um, like I have boxes of baseball cards. And other stuff in here, which I know um, bugs you. Good. I'm thinking about getting the memes back up on the meme wall. We do have a number of salvageable memes from when we made the the move. But we've been in here a year almost now. Well, I think we have. We have over a, a year. Over a year. We got a we got a very large uh, Detroit Red Wings best best. But uniform. that's not a bad thing. That's a oh good no, thing. best yeah. uniforms in hockey. Well, thank you. Uh, we got a we got a, a Chippewa flag. Yep. <laughs> uh, the, I would I would suggest the the finest Mac school north of Detroit. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I, we got a Michigan flag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got uh, a number of things that we can. We've we, got art. Your students have done. We have art. We have some actually some pretty good. Some okay. Some pretty good. So with your permission, one of these days when I come here and then I start like working, but then I don't want to work. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start working on here. Maybe I'm not promising. I can get all the baseball cards out and stuff, but I might maybe arrange it better. Maybe what I could do is bring my uh, my hammer drill, and we could. Yeah, I still need to borrow stuff. that for my that shelf yeah. thing too. Hang some stuff. Just we'll have a work day here. But let's not Ooh. say that because I think technically we're supposed to put work orders in. We'll so have a work we'll, day here. We'll put work orders in. We'll put work <laughs> orders in. Um, and Trinity will do a, a great job. I mean, exactly like we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we are. Uh, I'm gonna work on that. But we are here maybe in the maybe just for those. Uh, we didn't mean that the Holy Trinity would, because <laughs> our maintenance. There's a company called Trinity. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Although really, but every their good gift comes from the, yes. Father, Son, and Spirit as well. So here in the studio with Mike, who you've heard, and with uh, Jason, who uh, I think I should be acknowledged. Well, thank you. Has I been to that. campus two days in a row. Yeah, two days and, in a uh, row. Roughly at this point, I would say almost four hours. Yeah. This week. It's crazy. And so um, I would like to commend him for that. We have a new campus pastor here at Wisconsin Lutheran College. Um, and he is on campus for the first time, and Pastor Lyon might bring him by, and it, it appears that, that Greg thinks that since, uh, since Pastor Bordelin, John, can barge right in, that he can too. So he may stop in, and if that happens, I'm just going to pause this. So if there's an awkward pause, um, so that the listeners aren't trying to figure out what's being said with some mic'd people and some unmiked people, uh, I think Greg is, he's been a regular guest. He's always welcome to, to stop in. Um, but if there is a pause at some point, you go, why did they stop there? It's not because Jason said something grossly <laughs> offensive. Um, it's because uh, we're saying hello to our new campus pastor. I think the only one who's ever met him in person was Jason, who served yes. yep. up that way. Unless yeah. you did, Mike, you may, maybe at Synod Convention or something, mm-hmm. I think you said. He was a former did conference you meet our mate. our new campus pastor at yeah. some point? Well, I have not. So. Oh no, I did. I did recently. Yes, I did. I did. Okay, we have a we have a nice new. Um, it's almost like a liturgy, right? Every all of life has a liturgy where yeah. we start the podcast and then Mike gets on his phone, yeah, um, and just completely. 
I don't know what gets engrossed in whatever. Did is Wade criticizing my phone use <laughs> and being it does distracted? Does sound that way? Yeah. Yeah. That's like when Wade. Uh, well, to be when, fair, this is not a meeting. Yeah, this when, is a podcast. When, when, when Wade criticizes me for my hand gestures, that oh. one's that one's the best. Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. That is a good. Something one. about a okay. kettle and a well, pot. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> I disturbed you, Michael. I am. I actually, this is serious, timely stuff. But I, I, I do. He's got a smile like he's not. I do apologize for not keeping up with the conversation to the point of I said no, and then just told you exactly what you said before. So yeah, I apologize. All right. But I'm, I'm going to be distracted for the next thirty seconds. So that's fine. Talk to Jason. All right, so we have a podcast. We're here in the studio. Where the bird flies. And we're maybe going to record on a topic. Maybe. Right? Um, Jason, what's our topic? Topic is continuing our discussion on aesthetics, but now the focus is going to be especially on aesthetics in the church, I think is where we are hoping to take this discussion today. That's excellent, Jason. So, yeah, we had an episode on aesthetics. Um, and we were planning on talking about aesthetics in the church, but we had what I thought was a very good conversation. And uh, we talked aesthetics in general first, and now we're going to do aesthetics in the church or theology of aesthetics, however we want to put it. Um, the importance of kind of what we see uh, in ecclesiastical spaces. And uh, so I think the plan will be, I'm rather than release one during the weekend and then one next week, I think I'll release them back-to-back next mm-hmm. week. So we just won't have an episode this week, but we'll have two that drop. So if people are interested, that they can listen back-to-back next week. Or I'll just get them both out this weekend and not have one next week. But these will these will go out together. Um, with that, uh, Michael, would you like to read the disclaimer? This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because while as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. that brings us to our main topic and just in case um you didn't listen to the episode right before this which is fine which was on aesthetics in general i want to start again by just defining or giving an explanation of what aesthetics is as we're going to be talking about aesthetics in the church and so if we're gonna i don't want to go to webster as we talked in the last episode right but i want to be classy so oxford right is going to define aesthetics as the branch of philosophy that studies the principles of beauty especially in art. And so when we're talking about aesthetics, we're, we're talking about um, A, and this is where it's worth going back and listening to the other episode after this one, um, questions of beauty. Is there objective beauty? Is beauty simply subjective? What makes something beautiful? Uh, but then art in general, especially uh, uh, probably today, we're going to focus more on the visual arts, but music and everything would be included in this uh 
as well, and maybe we'll get to that somewhat. Um, atmosphere maybe is a word that isn't terrible, even though it gets abused for, for kind of what we'll be talking about. And so I figured for starting off, maybe just to remind everyone, sometimes we, we make assumptions about the past based on our, our present experience, uh, to begin by, by talking about the fact that for most of the church's history, um, people did not have their own personal Bibles, and many of those in the church could not read, um, were illiterate. In fact, in heaven, probably those who never learned to read in this life will outnumber those who did, maybe. I don't know. The population's so big now. Mm. It was smaller population. I think everyone will be able to read in heaven. I think heaven's going to have 100% literacy. <laughs> but there'll be a lot of people who couldn't um, read or at least could not read good, right, as they <laughs> in Zoolander when he wants to build the, uh, yeah. the little school. And that's not necessarily, in our modern world, that it is a tragedy and probably because of corruption somebody is not literate. But in the ancient world, it's not, I mean, we, we, it's not ideal, but you could get along just fine through oral traditions. Right. It's not, this was not like a human rights issue that we would think about it today. Right. And, and I mean, there's even philosophers who thought that you shouldn't write down philosophy. I mean, Socrates himself is very leery of that. Um, so it definitely you have oral tradition and this is, um, and for most there was real no incentive right, right. i mean there yeah. there wasn't much there there wasn't much to read or or any purpose to read for so right. and yeah. just unless we think we're better because we can sound out words on a page um in many ways their capacity for memory absolutely mm -hmm. um would put ours ours to shame mm -hmm. uh and their listening skills but many people then throughout history and especially uh in early christian history but into the Middle Ages uh, as well. Unless you were in the town or you were nobility uh, or you were a slave who'd been educated, <coughs> the odds of you being literate were not exceedingly high. And yet, uh, the church still had a responsibility to catechize, um, to educate, and even to preach uh, beyond the written word. And so we have pretty early on uh, images that are being created, uh, stories that are being told, whether that be on walls and catacombs, whether that be in mosaics in the floor <coughs> of Christian households. Uh, and so you get into the Middle Ages and you're having these uh, marvelous uh, cathedrals that are being built. And not just marvelous that they're able to build these structures, uh, which are in and of themselves aesthetically pleasing, but they're then adorned inside in, in very visual sermons in stone right sermons in stone is a good way to put it and so from early on the church has been a church that adorns that decorates things um kind of this early reform notion somebody reform is going to get all mad they're going to set down their pipe <coughs> and their you know triple malt whiskey if that's a thing and, and say <laughs> by kelvin <coughs> right um, they're gonna they're gonna stop, pause from singing their metrical psalm to you, and uh, but if you think no, you're not making it any easier for them to <laughs> now that, now they're there really are bad. there were some there were some right. especially in the Zwinglian tradition from the more either radical Reformation or what we would call today Protestant evangelical 
traditions. To think that there was this like simplistic apostolic period where everything was just purposefully bare bones and it was, you know, just kind of the preacher preached and that was it. And we just, we know that isn't the case in art, in music, in liturgy. Um, From the, the, the earliest times that they were able to begin settling, having set places for worship, they'll begin... Um, making use of the space in very creative ways, yeah. um, and some and of the, some of the uh, not the the worship space itself, but some of the earliest clues that we get that they're that the, are the the tombs, right? Mm-hmm. You know where mm-hmm. where they maybe didn't have um, these places of worship, but early on, um, their grave markers and yep. stones and sarcophagus and things like that are adorned right yeah. you know so so even before there was a space to adorn the, the the one space that they did have was decorated and maybe just this is this is not unique to christianity but it's unique not even to religion but this is a very human thing like when yeah. we start talking we're eventually going to touch on worship right uh this is what we're sort of sort of going toward towards um to be human is to eat, it is to speak, and it is to decorate. Mm-hmm. It is to have a parade, a processional. These are things that, that are actually quite unique to, to humanity. This is how God has created us, and it makes sense. This is how then he would come to us and how we uh, would, would worship. I mean, what's one of the first things kids do when they get crayons? They draw on the walls. Yeah. You know, and it's <laughs> not just because they're little cavemen. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this impulse um, to 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 supplement our. There's a our sense of deeper meaning. Right. Symbol. Some. And most of their art, let's be honest, is garbage. Yeah. I've. It's terrible. Like cave <laughs> art. Give me a break. Uh-huh. You know, go to class a little right. bit. Right. But um. But this maybe segues a bit, and we can hit more on art as catechesis and and and. It's kind of charismatic. It's pro- proclamatory role mm-hmm. as well, but uh, but there is a recognition of beauty for beauty's sake as well, that not just the Christian Church but religion in general, and even um, Mike, I'll throw it to you because you mentioned this when we were talking before. Even the Old Testament, where people also, this is another simplistic view people have, is that well, the prohibit prohibition against uh, images in the Old Testament. So, like everything was just like a. A white wall, you know, and it was like, you know, decorated with like Ikea minimalistic mm-hmm. furnishings <laughs> in the temple, which took the Levites forever to assemble, mm-hmm. even though they were assured it would, it's like a 10 minute assembly thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you actually read and you go, okay, there were no images of God per mm-hmm. se, but there's a lot of, um, there's an aesthetic at work. And maybe I'll throw it to you, Mike, and then Jason, and I'm going to be quiet for a little bit. Sure. So <clears throat> beauty for the sake of beauty, I think that's an open question, right? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, maybe make it akin to nature. If I look out into nature, I see beauty. I have a connection with God. What I don't have a connection with God is a connection, uh, a gospel connection with God, mm-hmm. right? So beauty for the sake of beauty is still missing something. So are there examples of beauty for the sake of beauty in, in the temple? Yeah, like 
later on we think the pomegranate is a symbol of the resurrection like it opens up or whatever but i'm i'm pretty sure that the pomegranate and that the different whatever in the temple probably weren't looking forward to that what was it well it was an, an adornment think of like like certain you know go through the classical pillars that do door you know all those what 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 is the the symbolic meaning to the flourish on the top of a, a door frame or whatever Nothing but to say that this is a space that's important. So beauty for the sake of beauty, yes, but then again, not. Because the whole temple is where you're going to encounter God. And therefore, it deserves your... It, it is the, the beauty of the temple itself is saying this is important. This right? is a special space. This is a special space. So, and this has a connection to the incarnation. And then we'll go back to, to the point about graven images. The, um, what we completely miss in our modern world is sacred spaces where the rest of the world and certainly the history of the world understood this is holy ground. Take off your shoes. Um, all religions are going to think that way. Uh, think of all the fairy tales of, that come from all sorts of different cultures, all these different stories. The world was imbued with spirituality. However you're going to say that, if it's going to be uh, the the uh, pantheism, it's going to be polytheism, it's going to be the earth itself is, is God. Um, that, that's, that's the default of the history of, of, of humanity. The way you said the world, you know what I thought of? What? You said the world, and as a child of the 90s, any guess what? Mm-mm. I finished it. The world is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have that on my phone. Do you really? Is that Smashing Pumpkins? Yeah, Smashing okay. Pumpkins. So I'm sorry for distracting you, but right. it, it like uh, my mind just boom. So I, speaking of a uh, Smashing Pumpkins, um, so like later in life, you know, midlife crisis, I'm going to get those from my phone, and I'm willing to pay for it. I'm willing to pay for music. Don't you have Spotify or something? I'm willing to pay for music. I'm, I'm, I think that. Well, you are paying for it if you have Spotify. Well, I don't. He's not buying a set of right. like album. Anyway. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to go through smashing, smashing pumpkins. And I got like four of their songs and then I played them like, but you bought individual songs instead yeah, of albums. Yeah. Just, I just wanted these four ones. And then I listened to them like they're all the same song. <laughs> anyway, but they're they, good. They're good, yeah. but they're all the same song. It's they're, one of those bands that takes you back. It does yep. take you back. They're very distinctive sound. Yeah. Anyway, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to pay individual songs. You sometimes look at albums, but I'm willing to do that. I, I don't think we should just, you yeah. Know, I am not. I'm still fighting against just listening to individual songs. I, like I think there is an integrity to like listening to a whole album. When when do although we Spotify get... is somewhat right because they'll have like this is yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? And then instead of listening to like one set, yeah, you know Chili Peppers album, I sometimes will do the this is, but I don't like it as much. We have to ask Doctor Zim about this. When did the when did the importance of the album? I think we did talk about this stop. with him, Michael. Like, is it already the 60s? Like we we had spent like 10 mm-hmm. minutes on it. And it well, what was his answer? Did it go into the 80s? I think he was talking about how eclectic kids nowadays, because they haven't had the album experience. But Oh, I don't think we pinpointed it. That's what I'm saying. What, yeah. what, at what point did... I think it has to be Napster. Well, right, but like, what? who, who hung on? Like, okay, certainly like, okay... The Beatles' White Album was a thing. Mm-hmm. When did that, you'd stop, when did, like, the album, I don't care. You're just trying to sell me yeah. ten crappy songs, so I buy the, you know. Well, I will say, though, that there's a, 
And this kind of fits with an aesthetic. Because sometimes you have a church with a bad aesthetic because it's not an album, mm. so to speak. Mm. It's like a collection of songs. That's good. That's good. Mm. You ever get that? And there's like there's yep. things that are kind of pretty, but they're so random mm. that I think that's part of what I appreciate about the album <clears throat> is you kind of get to judge the whole. Th- now, I would guess, if we're going with this, partly when people stopped writing their own songs. Like you get to the late 90s, early 2000s especially, mm. and... I mean, what's the point of an album if it's all just different songwriters thrown together? Right, but I... I and it's not the phase of the artist's life or whatever they're going yeah. through. But the singer-songwriter was not always a thing either. Yeah. We're getting way afield, Jason. No, I was going to say, but this is something I think that some artists are trying to recapture this a little bit. Because isn't, isn't there something going on right now? Like Beyonce has, a, has an album coming yeah. out. And not like sure. not only is she trying to... to like not release singles it's going to release as an album mm. but she's trying to prevent any um like pirated copies getting out so mm. that not only do you have to get the album but everybody will get the album at the same time and everybody will be able to experience yeah. it together well and that's but, part of the right yeah, yeah. do you yep. know if you if you play her record backwards does it like is there satanic messages Oh, you know, that I ha- that, that I have that's not part heard. of the album experience. Yeah, right, the, yes. What did they yeah. call it? This satanic panic or the? It was a little bit before our time. But oh, see, yeah. this is also I think when you look at churches, it's what is kind of cool. There's it's there can be they can both be cool, but you get like the cathedral that's built across like four hundred years, which is, I mean that's commitment, right? Mm. Um, and it's like no one age, but you can see certain aspects that you can tell yeah. the age. But then it's also kind of cool when you get a church that's like, it's, you know, you go, this is totally like this period that is reflected and you can kind of get the the Christian, what they what they saw as key in their age, right? Um, so maybe that... I get I, I get what you're saying with that too. And, and Whereas I think, the cathedral is kind of like yep. the, this is yep. Cologne, yep. you know, like if you go to the little church in, in Cologne that was... You kind of get that's the album. Yeah, and like you know, when you move from Romanesque windows on one side to by the time you get to the end, it's gothic and all this other stuff, which is which makes for some really interesting and cool effects. You know, by the time you see the whole thing put together, but then the negative side of that, where and I was blessed to um, be part of a sanctuary remodel at the congregation where I served, and I would say up until that point, you know, there were there were a whole lot of decisions that were kind of made in a vacuum Mm -hmm. and then you know like i can understand why they made each of the decisions that they did when they did why they did but then the whole effect was yeah underwhelming Mm -hmm. and uh i think that was something that just to kind of step back and say we're going to consider the whole thing and kind of rework this together um that was i think that was a refreshing thing and really i think most people were very pleased with the results in the end, but uh, but you can see how when kind of these things are taken apart, that sometimes the result is not always sure. the best. And now if I can take it back to what Mike was trying to do, and then I'm going to throw it back to Mike, mm-hmm. I apologize. To be fair, I tried to just briefly mention Smashing Pumpkins, and then we all got excited about it. <laughs> um, but even in those, those very impressive church buildings, the cathedrals, uh, um, Jason and I went to Josephats in Milwaukee, which if you live in Milwaukee, you got to go either do a tour, 
go for you know a, a mass and walk around after whatever but you'll notice with these church built and this is true of uh like a grace in milwaukee downtown uh one of our churches there's there's the big art that's clearly depicting a scene but then there's just kind of like the decorative stuff that like you don't look at that and you go okay this is the retelling of you know this or this is this doctrine um but it also fits the space i think as you were getting at with the with the temple book and and it you almost have to have that because you can get overloaded like some of the rococo churches like mm-hmm. in munich it's just too much like yep. it's sensory overload yep. um and saint although, joseph at is can get that way too although i bet uh if uh if you went in there uh, let's just say um you know you you had partaken of a uh, certain psychedelic substance that I bet that you could, it would blow your mind. Somewhere like that. <laughs> Some of those Rococo churches, yeah. it's They're like upside down. I'm not advocating yeah, that. Yeah, they're kind of like Don't go to upside church, down right? birthday cakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, okay, so you were talking right, Old so, Testament. Well, the, the the idea of sacred space, get that, that being lost on, on us, um, uh, it, it's, I, I, I don't think that anybody can deny who's being honest that the downplay of the sacraments with pietism, and I think about pietism not just here as a, as a Lutheran movement, but a, uh, a whole Protestant movement, which would privilege the subjective over the objective, the, the individual over the group, and the inner spirituality over objectivity and, and the physical. So downplay of the, the ministry, downplay of the institutional church, downplay of the sacraments. A sovereign God, first article Christianity, God is up there, um, really not, really doesn't, you know, de- depicting him would be insulting to his sovereignty. It's, and this is partly why Islam... Islam and... Well, now, Islam yeah. will have some very impressive right. art, so to speak, yeah. but it's mathematical. It's it's yeah. not... Yeah. Um, it's not... Theolo- well, it, I'm not saying it well, but it's different. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it, it doesn't have the sense of imminence, the imminence of God. Think, reason, even a deistic way of thinking about God. Right. Not that they're deists. They're not. But um, but the, the God yeah. who is primarily or, or solely sovereign yeah. is not a very good um, muse. No. Uh, Emphasizing the sovereignty of God over against the gritty nature of the incarnation, emphasizing uh, the intellectual. I love when you say gritty. Yeah, the inter- <laughs> and I like when you say the 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 beer, and the, the the mud and the blood and the beer. Yeah, I like that. Um, the That's a great line. Uh, Johnny Cash stole it from me. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so an em- emphasize over the sovereignty of God rather than the, the, the weakness of God on the cross. Um, emphasizing uh, the plan that God, the Father has rather than the cross that is laid before you. All of these things fit together into a very modern way of thinking. And I, I, I think, you're, a f- I think you're, you're ignoring the obvious thing if you don't see a connection between that and 
church art and architecture taking a nosedive and only starting to come back recently. Sometimes it'll be under the guise of utilitarianism. Uh, this is, it's just about you and me, this intellectual kind of connection I have with God and his word. I don't need a fancy space. Is that true that you can worship God without a fancy space? Yes, but you don't live that way. And that's not how mm-hmm. heaven's described. No, hmm. that's not how the right. temple was, you know, yeah. it's, this is like, it's, it's heavy on spirit. It's not as heavy on true man. True, it's it's third article, yep. but even there, it's third article, divorced from the physical means. The means. It's yeah. it's kind of the swallowing spirit who, the spirit feather and this, all. Let the bird fly, like, but it's just flying all around, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you you can. I, I, when when I was little, we had these these. Uh, we call them parakeets, whatever. Any pet we ever had that we got two of, mine was mean. Like my hamster ate my brother's hamster. Ate well, <laughs> the other hamster? I, sure, I don't know that sure it immediately it died, but yeah, it, it, it like, started to eat the carcass. Oh well, it killed it. Okay. Huh. Or I think it killed. It eventually died from its injuries, whatever. But like it was not <laughs> on it. Um, and then my parakeet was super mean. And so it got to where, like, when we'd let him out to fly, you know, mm-hmm. he would just, like, attack people. So only my dad could ever get him. And, like, you know, my dad was big old man heads, real little kid. Like, he seems like the superhero, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> would grab, I think Odie was its name, and uh, put it back in its cage. But the thing was just mean. And I think, like, that's when you have that kind of, like, Meansless spirit. Let's just fly around, like experience that people want to have, and you have the simple space because you're going to create the aesthetic. It's a very top-down. We'll put smoke and light, and then the spirit will just fly. What you got to be aware of is, uh, is you're going to get Odie. You end up with that. It's going to bite you, mm-hmm. um, because it might feel like happy in the moment, mm-hmm. but uh, but like. Art that has a lasting, mm-hmm. that endures time, like that that has to have meat on its bones, and so um, like, I that parakeet. Yeah, yeah. I want next time you're thinking, okay. it's just me and my Bible, yeah. and uh, you know whatever in the spirit flying. Just remember that parakeet bites. Well, that that was a stretch. Um, <laughs> Do you want me to connect it to the hamster? Yeah. I'll give it to you. Um, I'll give it to you, but that was a stretch. Um, Back to the original point that we started 20 minutes ago. Do you want me to text my mom and see if the hamster ate yeah, the other or if it was just... Give me, give me the... I know it was a serious attack, and Let's, I remember my brother being details. mad because his hamster died. I want details about that. <laughs> All right. We had to have like a whole burial thing. Hopefully we can get it before the episode's Ridiculous. done. Sometimes hamsters <laughs> murder other hamsters. Yeah. Please text her because maybe Nature's we Nature's metal, man. May, maybe we can get it by the end of the episode, the, <laughs> the true story. Okay. So the, the original point is that is, is there beauty for the sake of beauty? Yes and no. Yes. Um, we don't need a symbolic whatever to every connection. That's not how we live. That would be overloaded. Um, but the, yet there is a meaning that saying there is such a thing as sacred space because of the incarnation, because God is not distant, because God is with us in the mud and the blood and the beer. And that is a classical Christian, I would say, very Lutheran understanding, again, not Lutheran in the sense like all of a sudden we discovered it, but what the church had always been about, 
Um, and I think that a modern world that divorces those things in a minimalistic way uh, is lying to itself when it says that minimalism is not an aesthetic itself. And if you put that into the church, if you have a plain church, you're still saying something. You still have meaning behind your plain walls. And that is the sermon's the most important thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that, that there is a distant God. Now, they're not going to say that. They're going to always talk about God is, is with me. And so, but there's a distant God. He's yeah. not on the altar. He's not hiding behind the, 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 the masks of vocation. Um, he, is, he is up there. And, I, and I, I, we've said it before that moving out of the modern period to the postmodern period, that the evangelical world, and this is their own words, not mine, is at a crossroads here and are talking more about physical things, incarnational things, and you're seeing an uptick in art, both in the evangelical world and our, our circles, too. So when I'm being critical, we're being critical of, of maybe an evangelical world. We're being critical of our little group in, in, the, in the corner of Lutheranism, which, I mean, I can tell, I can, I can um, quote people saying these things, right, that uh, the art doesn't matter, right? That's Roman Catholic. Well, and you could probably point to churches maybe that you've been in that that are lutheran churches that maybe um were that sprung from that that uh approach and you know and it shows still today we have what's called the in our history the wef unit worship um education and fellowship which was a multi-purpose very cheap building that you could the idea was then you would get a church going and then you would build something uh with, with more with more curb appeal but i think we've for the last few decades have turned away from that. Like the look of the church matters <laughs> from the outside. Right? Wanting something, wanting a church that looks like a church. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of interesting because it, I think we both read, uh, uh, reading the Bible through West with Western eyes talking about, we have that feeling when we have hospitals, like a hospital needs to look like powerful and successful. And somehow we feel like I'm in the right place where other cultures are like, they're just trying to take my money. Like they would rather have a building that looked a little, little run down, but I think like when, I'm not planning on staying there. Like it's a resort. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when, but when I think you have your, your, your church, the only time you would have a, something that would be plain. And I'm speaking of all religions here is when you're persecuted and you don't want to say, look at us. Mm-hmm. Um, or you are of that, Christian wing and sort of getting into even kind of like Jehovah's Witness sort of sort of uh, more what we would call technically cults where you're really devoiding yourself of anything physical at all. Um, I think you're I think you're ignoring the obvious thing if you don't think there's a theological connection between the line from cathedrals to the clock tower in Switzerland uh, on the church down to the WEF units of the Wisconsin Synod's history to the stages of the non-denominational church. All of those things are going to portray a theology, whether the architect and the congregation that funded the architecture believes it or not, it does say something. Um, And so I don't think you can get rid, like we've said before, everybody's a theologian, everybody's a philosopher. I would say every church is liturgical. Even if you're coming up with something new every Sunday, that still talks about your theology. Yeah. 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 Okay. I've not gotten an answer yet. Okay. Well, if <laughs> not, to, if not 
this episode. Next episode, we will yeah. fill in to follow up what happened to the Johnston uh, hamsters. The great hamster debacle. So we, <laughs> the, hamster, the great hamster fight of, <laughs> of the 90s. So we had, um, we've talked OT, we've talked beauty for beauty's sake, a lot of these things. Uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about when the church just kind of went nuts breaking the second commandment. right? So Jesus comes and... Uh, um, and the church starts drawing pictures of God. So the second commandment in the evangelical the, the, sense. The right. graven image. What, what we image. get accused of, yeah. of breaking. Um, and uh, you have depictions of Jesus. In our own day, you'll have people very upset that sometimes um, these pictures of Jesus don't look um, Palestinian enough or... Mm-hmm. <coughs> Uh, Israeli enough. Maybe they look too German or Nordic, or um, you pick it, and um, not just images of um, of Jesus, but even uh, depictions of uh, the Trinity. Uh, in now, the spirit is a dove, maybe, or, or things like that. But you have depictions of God, and. We understand, let's be clear, we have no idea what Jesus' um, face looked like. Not even close. Uh, And so no artist is ever going to, like, nail it. Um, But maybe if we can talk... Are we going to do an episode on the Shroud of... No? Oh. It would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, Never mind. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You see, I'm about to get distracted again. I'm sorry. Because that was one of my favorite stations of the crossways was Veronica. Yeah. You know, she... She had... Like, wipes his face, and then yeah. his face is on the... Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought that was super cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, Lutheranism and Catholicism have this kind of wacky numbering of the commandments, where our second commandment's God's name, not images. Um, in fact... Uh, there's no like explicit like big image emphasis in the first table of the of the law when you're going to learn commandments uh, in Catholicism and Lutheranism. Why uh why is this okay? Why 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 aren't we iconoclasts like some of the other Protestants were early on or still are today? To where you know you would dare never have um, art in church um, a uh, might get in the way of the American flag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and B, right? That's Catholic. Mm-hmm. That's that's. We that's don't worship. Papistic. We don't worship images. Right. This guy does. <laughs> you should see him. Show him an image. Dude just starts falls <laughs> right on his knees. Yep. Yeah. Starts, that's it. Starts praying. Yeah. All right. Have at it. Well, I I think that you don't have to go very far in the in the in the Old Testament to see that God says no to images and then commands an image, right? He commands the the bronze serpent. And uh, I do think that part of the the don't make graven images is is one, like he sees what what the ancient Near East is about, Hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like this is an obvious problem, right? Like if he would, if, 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 if God was sending 
Moses to give us uh, uh, commands today, probably not the graven image would would not be the first application of the first commandment. It would probably be more like, hey, your humanism is really screwing things up here. You, you're not God, right? Uh, don't worship yourself kind of thing, right? So that, that's it's a contextual thing. But also, I think underneath it is you don't get to image me. You don't, if you're going to make an image of me, you're going to mess it up. I will image myself, and guess what it's going to be? It's going to be a man dying on the cross. Um, and there you have faith. There you have theology on the cross. There you have the foolishness of God, wiser than man's wisdom. You have all of those things wrapped up. And the key point with that then of how he images himself is not what was his hair color, what color were his eyes, <coughs> how tall was he, how long was his beard, but it's the act, mm-hmm. right, that, that the incarnate Christ is carrying out. And that's why then, or that, that plays into why imaging Christ, so to speak, the main thing behind it is the aesthetics of this is to convey the love and mercy mm-hmm. that Christ made manifest. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he might have been shorter than, and in fact, sometimes artists are even going to take um, what do you call that license? Um, sure, to, license. Yeah, you know, to to include things that okay, probably like you know, um, there was a big fight about should Jesus have a belly button like when he's depicted in, in mm-hmm. art. Um, because Adam and Eve, right, probably didn't, and he's divine, and he... Anyways. I mean, Jesus had a belly button, right? We all agree on that? <laughs> yeah, I would but agree. But, like, how you would picture that in art, it could convey something. Uh, and so it's what Jesus does. And, and so it may be helpful for Jesus to look somewhat like me, whatever my um, ethnicity... Mm-hmm may be in order to um, properly depict Jesus, right? Even in a way that maybe, think of how you saw your saw your parents when you were younger. And um, I mentioned my dad with like the, the giant hand grabbing the Pentecostal parakeet, mm-hmm. right? And um, the, uh, but like your image of your parents changed, changes over time as you see them. Um, partly because they age, but partly because of your relationship with them, where you're mm-hmm. at. And, and the aesthetic in, in Christian art is a recognition of that um, as well. And different depictions will capture different things about our relationships at different time with God. But oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, the, the topic of, of the, the ethnicity of Jesus portrayed in art is maybe a different topic. Um, there, there's... <laughs> There's things to be said on uh, both sides of that, right? Um, <clears throat> I, I just, my concern yeah. with it is that the impulse, um, while someone may, it may seem the impulse is to defend the incarnation. You know, that's not what Jesus looked mm-hmm. like. The impulse is usually very anti-incarnational. Yep. It's to shut down a depiction right. of Christ, right? It's it, it's an iconoclasm of sorts that's that's trying to to fight against the imminence of God as he's depicted there. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's, there's some good language there. So I, I think that we should call Jesus the ultimate iconoclast who will break the images that we have of Christ. Just because you have not 
made a uh, image of Christ, whether it be a painting or a whatever, doesn't mean that you don't you don't actually have an image of Christ in your heart. Right. So the the outward the the problem is not the the, the statue or the piece of of work is that you have an image of God in you that is that looks remarkably like you. And you That's need to be drawn the problem. Out of that, yeah. And so actually to have a objective image of Christ as faulty as that may be actually helps us. And and the point is here seeing your God dying on the cross so that you can't get away from the cross shatters the image you have of Christ in you, yourself. So I would say somebody who who takes don't have graven images and and doesn't make it an application of the first commandment but actually makes it its own commandment which I'm fine with the numbering. Yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter. But as it stands on its own um, it doesn't follow the commandments very well that are talking about things that are deeper than just the the application. Um, But it also... I think works against you to have an image of Christ on the cross is the iconoclasm of your own image, not the other way around. And, and then just to bring it back, the, the, the whole idea of the, the ancient Near East gods being imaged in, in, in ways like a cow or whatever. First of all, that's an, a little bit insulting to God to image him that way. But remember, it's insulting to mankind because we're the image of God. Right, we're the image of God, so I think there's a lot to be said there. Maybe I'll I'll say something about the ethnicity of Jesus depicted in art, and I'll be done. Uh, there is a good history of depicting Jesus as for you. Mm-hmm. So Matthias Grunewald's famous uh, uh, crucifixion, also resurrection, the the whole triptych there. Uh, him painting Jesus with a skin disease for a chapel. Uh, at a hospital for people who have had skin disease and, and were quarantined. <laughs> it's obvious. Right? Yep. Um, a south side of Chicago Jesus who looks more sub-Saharan African than Palestinian is a beautiful thing. Uh, an Apache Jesus is a beautiful thing. Right? I do, however, understand that if you are of a certain ethnicity living in a Western world, your Jesus is Italian, right? That's the, the majority Jesus, image of Jesus that you're going to see. And so do you feel a little bit left out? I, I certainly think we need to be sensitive sure. of that. Um, the solution, though, is not just a let's make Jesus in our own image. It is to say he's Jewish, so it's good to see him as a first century Palestinian man. But we have the poetic license of artists to, to go. I like to see him as a first century Palestinian, truly human. Truly human, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a truly yeah. human. Should we say a truly human that is now a noun? Truly yeah. human, a truly human. <laughs> a truly human. Yeah, we actually, uh, one of the churches that we stopped at in our European trip. Uh, or Germany trip had uh, partnered with a church in Africa and they had a a carved piece that was a canoe. It looked like a a canoe that was supposed to be Jesus and the disciples in the fishing boat. But of course, you know, they all looked African, right? You know, and Jesus and all the disciples and the the boat would have been, you know, the type of 
African canoe that their tribe was familiar with, Mm -hmm. you know, so, I mean, you see some of that and I think maybe some of that too, you know, whether you're talking about the the images and stuff. And I think too, in some ways it's interesting because you say, well, yeah, it was definitely a problem in the ancient world, but you know, there's some of that still today, you know, that, uh, people get getting caught up in that, um, the images of things that rather than well, you in, know, what's in, behind in the them, but, world as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what was one of the problems that that, that many of the the zealots, um, Jewish nationalists, would have had with Jesus, is that the Messiah came and he didn't look Jewish enough. Right. right that, yeah. this, um, that he wasn't, you know, this anti-Roman, um, the you know warrior deliverer yeah, type of warrior yeah. deliverer. Jewish um, and patriot. so even as Jesus was there, there were people who were <laughs> right. unhappy yep. uh, with how he looked, how he presented himself. So you get the complaint of, well, John is too, he's too, you know, strict and yeah. straight and narrow and Jesus is is too lax. Um, I think with that too, with the canoe, if you think of the great Reformation art, 16th century, yeah. Lucas Cranish and others, often like the people in these scenes from the gospel are depicted like dressed like, Mm-hmm. Um, like Germans in the 16th century, century yeah. at that time. And, uh, and sometimes that can be a, a nice thing to have um, in church art as well, is to have something, especially with, with, with kids, right, that they can see themselves. And it, uh, I remember one scene, a picture of Jesus with the little children, and the kids were, you know, dressed like, I think the church was built in the 80s, like 1980s kids, like, it would have been cool if it were the 90s and they had like those teal windbreakers. <laughs> like the starter, starter, like starter, a, jacket, starter jacket. Yeah, yeah like a, um, a triple fat goose yeah. like coat. Um, but uh, pair of Zubas. Yeah, but it, you know, it can convey something as well. Maybe just so, so we get there and we still haven't got there. Maybe when we're working at this, I think it's been a good conversation. But what, why does the aesthetic of <clears throat> space matter? We could talk about all sorts of Christian buildings, right? This could be school, this could be home, whatever. Because I think there is a certain aesthetic that can be healthy in the Christian home as well, right? Does Are there spaces in your home that remind you of your faith or they function in a devotional way? Stuff like that. Um, but as you go into a church, as we're and we're thinking here, largely as Lutherans, and Lutheranism um, has decorated churches historically, sometimes very poorly with, mm-hmm. like, orange carpeting and, like, can I say something that someone's going to get upset about because their church probably has it? And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying your church can't have it, but it's one of the things that I always kind of have to giggle at is, like, one of the most basic things that you should be able to get is, like, a candle, right? Like yeah. Oh, oil yeah. or wax. Yeah, but the, I know where you're going. For some reason, like there was a while where we just went nuts on getting like you turn the light switch and then the fake. Can- yeah, I've always the, thought that's funny because it's the candle-shaped light bulbs popped yeah. on. Yeah, it just oh, so we've we've sometimes done well. We've sometimes um done other stuff. Uh, but what's the uh, in your guys's opinion when you're if you were building your own church, or if you're walking into a church, um, what to you is a a things that would contribute to a Christian, in the broadest sense, biblical Christian incarnational uh, means of gracious grace ish uh, aesthetic? And I'm gonna stop jumping in because I'm making this go long, and I'm gonna leave that with you guys. 
I, I would I would just say a couple things then. Oh, my mom Jason. did chime in by the way. Hamster did not kill the other hamster. Just very seriously wounded it. It did recover. Odie was indeed my parakeet and attacked many people. <laughs> my guinea pig lived five years, um, outlived the rest, um, and also was very angry. Sorry. <laughs> I think that uh, the first thing for a Lutheran would be pulpit, altar, font. These are means of grace, so those are prominent. Um, where we can, this is not the episode to discuss where they are going to be prominent, but they are prominent. Mm-hmm. I would say that um, that your floors and your ceilings are are not ignored. That there be some height, and that uh, the floor gives the floors and the ceilings give us uh, are two of the most important things to give it a sense of this is a holy place. Um, you know, some sort of lighting issue, and then a, at least a crucifix. I would say because we preach Christ crucified. I just I, I'm just don't think you, you can get around there if you're gonna if you're gonna do it right. right. And with this stuff, just let me just qualify yeah. again in case because someone's probably listening and they're saying our mission church of ten people. This is I, we're not once again talking about. There's a room for house churches, storefront churches, yeah. the mission startup, whatever. This is we're talking when when there is the the ability in some way, and this yeah. might be. We have a mission space, but we want certain things yeah. there that still convey something. So, and I, I think a clean, crisp look, I, I think, is important. That you're going in, and that this, this is something. And I don't think it needs to be like, like overly, bunch of art that has a that has a whole lot of um, meaning behind it, like stained glass and stuff like that. I think those are nice, but I don't think there's necessary. I I think though that. Again, this is more advice than what's right or wrong, but that you would, you would have one, whether it be the furniture, or the crucifix or stained glass, you'd have one thing. That when you walked in there, like they spent a lot of money on that. That's unique. That was that was not, manu- that was not mass, manufactured. That was something that says art matters. We're gonna put our money where our mouth is. And, and some people are like, oh, all the money could go to missions. Listen, mm-hmm. we can argue about what inspires people and stuff like that. Just look at business. They know where to put their money in. Um, if you want to just talk dollars and cents, uh, putting money into spaces and into these things will bring in more money if you really want to talk about it that way. I mean, if you want to talk dollars and cents. Right. I, I think there, there's such a thing as, as inspiring art that can, that can move people. Um, and, and I, and I also think that you can't complain about, because a part of this is, is, is music and music in a setting matters. You can't complain. Why are we singing the same hymn from 19, you know, 16, whatever. I'm like, well, because we stopped funding people to re- freshen up the music, yep. put your money where your mouth is. And I think to support Christian art is not uh, to say that that's against the mission of the church. Because you you you, it's, you think it's a zero sum game, uh, the, on on the balance sheet, I think is is foolish, and I think we we are rightfully getting out of that in our lifetime. I think we can see, yep, um, in our little world, in the Christian church, but then the the church is large that we're putting more money, in all denominations into art and music, and I, I find that refreshing. Yeah, that that the church is reviving its patronage, of art and the art and artists you know in those different ways i think 
I, I would agree with, you know, a lot of what you said there. I think, um, uh, especially, you know, if, if I'm saying, what do I want to see, uh, again, I would repeat, you know, those place, place for the word, uh, place for the sacraments, right. You know, that you have those in place. Um, I think, you know, um, cross crucifix preferred right you know that that's kind of, that serves in some ways kind of a focal point um and then i i i guess you know one of the things that that i've that i would like to see um is maybe some intentionality um with how what you, that that there's something behind or there's reasons why you put together what you put together there and and again not to say that it not to say that everything has to have some sort of symbolic meaning not to say that you know that that this that this that everything is tied to tied to something bigger but to say that we you know we have a plan in place we had a vision in mind here that that we are trying to convey you know um and i think a lot of those things you know, that you mentioned fit, fit part of that, Maybe you know, like an example, like, you know, he, let, let's say putting the font at the back of the sanctuary so that it's a kind of the initiation into it. Or yeah. if the fonts up front that the font and the pulpit and the altar are all of the same style, they all stick and that, that there's a visual that mm -hmm. these are, the, th that's, yeah, those would be right. examples yep. of intentionality sure. with the architecture. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so I think, you know, those are, those are a couple of those things. And, and, and I appreciate too, that, that idea of, you know, saying that there's something here that we, that we reached for maybe from the, um, the standpoint of funding, you know, mm -hmm. say this is the best of what we could do, which I think, you know, and maybe goes back to your Wade's, your mission, mission church comment or just getting started or some of those things say, you know, the, the church that's been around for, you know, hundred plus years that has, you know, um, hundreds of members that, you know, maybe has, you know, some in a very wealthy area that, and has, you know, uh, endowments and some of those things, you know, they're probably going to be able to do, uh, to reach a little higher or farther on some of these things than a place that's just getting started. But the idea I think too, is that, what you're gonna, what what you're trying to do is you're trying to to put forth the best that right. you can do because and this means something and it's important. Far, what you right. reach for might be even more striking. Yeah. In the setting yep. in which you are. Yeah. yeah I've seen like I, pictures of like churches that are still like in a storefront or whatever. So much different than the ones I remember in the '80s, where they're like, they actually thought about how this looks, even though it is in a school yeah. or whatever. Yep. And uh, I think that I, I think that's one of those things that from the business world, it took a, it shouldn't have it shouldn't have had been the business world teaching us that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, it matters yep. when you walk sure into does. a lobby that it's clean, that it's crisp, that it's organized, that it says something about your your mission. Right. Um, uh, why, therefore, a, a blip of time when we look, you know. If we're around for another 500 years, um, you know, church historians, that, that, that's, it's going to be a little bit of a blip on the, on, the, on the timeline of like, man, they really hated art back then. What was their deal? Well, I think it was a theological and yeah. ph philosophical reasons. Yeah. Yep. The, pra the, the, the practicality and the, of, of, of America. 
mm-hmm. in a lot of in a lot of real ways. Yeah. Well, and I think we um, one of the shifts that have that has has taken place that is a good thing um, is to circle back just to from last time and maybe we can wrap up with this is that people are more than just rational creatures. Um, <coughs> And that life is more than uh, than just working nine to five. Or uh, I I think something the millennials did well is they were kind of like, "This is stupid." Like <clears throat> there was some stuff where they said something stupid, and I'm like, "Ah, <coughs> deal with it, dude." Like not every beer has to be an IPA. But I'm gonna have a PBR. Um, but there's other stuff where they're like, "I don't want to go to a cubicle farm," hmm. and you know, sit there for eight hours. And now some of them are just unemployed, but <laughs> but many have changed the workplace yep. and the workspace in very positive ways. Um, how we work, when we work, stuff like that. Well, I think hopefully that's a chance for us to step back as church too. And we talked about with aesthetics last time a little bit that this is the appeal of a Bach. <coughs> Um, that we were able to speak to the whole person and the arts are very good at doing that because the arts are rooted in what it is to be a, to be a person. Um, just a recommendation I'd make more for, um, for pastors or for ambitious lay people and not for everyone. I feel like we're just recommending Roman Catholic books like crazy lately because we're recommending craft too, but um, Hans uh, Urs von Balthasar, I'm saying his name wrong, but Roman Catholic theologian, but wrote some uh, some fun stuff. And uh, uh, Jack Kilcrease, Lutheran theologian, uh, who I'm friends with, and I really respect his work a lot. Uses him a lot. But um, his love alone is cre- is credible. is a is a nice little book. Um, you can see I highlighted what I, all the Lutheran stuff. And there's. <laughs> it's a lot, of, a lot of yellow. So I'm claiming this, yeah. Uh, but he quotes Justin Martyr, and I think it's uh, it's kind of fun. Where uh, Justin Martyr, you know, he, he's defending the faith, and he's writing towards someone, and he says, everything that is good and beautiful belongs to us. Um, and I think the church can rightly make that claim. And Balthazar later in the book says, part of the reason is, what animates all art, all true beauty in art, and all art that captures what it is to be human in the best senses is Christ in the incarnation. Any depiction of love is a good depiction insofar as it, um, to some degree, captures the love of God in Christ. You're taking all thoughts captive to Christ. Right. And so I think... Um, you know, we, we mentioned before that there was a day and age where the church uh, for a millennium was the main patron of the arts. And I, I'm really happy to see, and this isn't just with art, but to see churches maybe thinking about hiring a, or calling a, a parish musician, right? Um, this encouragement, again, of what we do with space, and I, I think that started, we saw that when we were at seminary, when there was thought put into, okay, um, the renovation of the chapel. Um, we've seen that at Martin Luther College, our... Uh, our alma mater with their building of the chapel, which is just is, is beautiful, right? And a lot of thought has gone into. Whereas when we were there out of necessity, I don't know that it was ever the intentional ideal. We were kind of in that in the auditorium, you know, which was 
different vibes than if you go to New Ulm now and you go to a, a chapel service. And they were talking already at that time, which was we were our first year on campus was the second year of the college. We need a chapel. Yeah, and so it's it's heartening to see that. Um, and it, it maybe is a good reminder to us all that, that when we see beauty in the world, um, to remember what rests behind it, it's beautiful insofar as it is a reflection of God and his order um, and his revelation in the person of, of Christ Jesus. And so uh, you don't have to. The point of these two episodes is not that you have to become an art expert. Jason talked about that, kind of turning him off back in the day until he read Veeth. Um, you don't have to, we don't have to necessarily all have exactly the same taste. Um, but at the end of the day, you can, as a Christian, see beauty uh, and appreciate it without having to get all hung up on stuff and simply, uh, in the face of it, let the bird fly. I'm just a janker. I say I'm up, I'm not around. 